Y'all, I'm sorry. We have to start being honest with ourselves about what Israel is doing. This is absurd. It is unethical. It is unreasonable to refer to this genocide that is happening right now as a war against Hamas. From the rip, 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 river to the sea. Pat, 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 Palestine gonna be free. Rip, 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 river to the sea. River to the what? Let's go. Rip, 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 river to the... Uh, we're recording this on the 6th of December, my birthday, day 61. Happy birthday. Thank you. I just threw that in there. Day 61 of what started as a Hamas-Israel war in Gaza, but is now kind of includes Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah, and Iranian militias in Syria, and Houthis in Yemen, and now Harvard, MIT, and Penn. And you know where else this war is happening? It's on social media, and specifically on TikTok. It was maybe 20 days into the war, like October, October 26th. I came across a tweet, an X, an X tweet from a tech executive called Jeff Morris Jr. And it was like something, something along the lines of the TikTok war. Why do high school students in San Francisco hate Israel so much? That, that got my attention. I use TikTok on, on and off. And the last time I used it before the war, it was showing me stuff that I like, you know, rugby, bikini yoga, comedy, more rugby. You know, easygoing, lighthearted stuff. And this tweet was like, why do high school students in San Francisco hate Israel so much? I just I couldn't get my head around it. You know, one conversation led to another and I got to you. Anthony Goldblum, thank you very much for getting on the de-jargonizer. Can you just give us a quick uh, minute on, on yourself? Yeah, sure. And, and thanks very much for having me. Anthony Goldblum, my background is as an econometrician slash a data scientist. Uh, originally from Australia, I started my career at the Australian Treasury and then the Reserve Bank of Australia. I started a company called Kaggle, which is a large machine learning community. We sold to Google uh, in 2017. I stayed at Google for a little over five years and then left to start a new company called Sumble, which is yeah, building a knowledge graph for the world's external data. And so we buy and crawl a lot of external data sets. And I'm, I'm not going to give you... I'm not going to give you a hard time on the jargon. Uh, what did you call it? Sorry, knowledge, knowledge graph. graph. A knowledge yeah. graph. We, the, we, the, we, they can do that in another episode. Sure, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's relevant to, I guess, what you were doing uh, over the past month is you were you're a data analyst and you were doing data analysis on TikTok, right? Yeah, exactly. Because my company, Sumble, buys and crawls a lot of external data for, the, for our business. Um, when I saw Jeff Morris uh, Jr.'s tweet, um, I found it very intriguing and I felt like I had both the skills, you know, being a data scientist by training, as well as the knowledge of where to get external data sets from that would allow me to actually answer that question. And the first question I was interested in answering after seeing that tweet is, what is the, the ratio of pro-Palestinian content on actually not just TikTok, I was interested in across social media, so I looked closely at Instagram as well, uh, but what is the ratio of pro-Palestinian versus pro-Israel uh, content. And I sort of went into this thinking, wow, it would be irresponsible if these social media platforms had a ratio of 5 or 10 to 1. And actually, it turns out the ratio on TikTok is quite a lot higher than that. And how do you see that? Is that through hashtags? Yeah, exactly. So um, normally what people do is they will post a video and they'll ver very frequently they will attach a description. And as part of that description, they will attach hashtags as well. And very often the hashtag is quite expressive. It will tell you a lot about what is in the video. The number one hashtag with respect to the Israel-Hamas conflict is 
free Palestine, hashtag free Palestine. And when you look at those videos, the vast, vast majority of those videos tend to follow certain patterns. They tend to be images from Gaza. You know, there'll be dad holding a teddy bear crying next to a building that has been bombed or bear belonged to his son or grand granddaughter or whatever it is. And I think that's the insinuation. And very often there'll be, there won't be words or anything. There'll be sort of melancholy music playing in the background. Um, that's a very common video to see. So if we look at Free Palestine versus what is the versus hashtag? Is it destroy Hamas? Is it Israel will win? Like what, what is the opposing? Yeah, the, the number one pro-Israel hashtag is stand with Israel. Uh, and then there are some others like Hamas is ISIS, bring them home, um, which refers to bringing home the hostages and so forth. But the main pro-Israel hashtag is stand with Israel. And what was the score on that that you found? The ratio fluctuates on a daily basis, but the December 3rd or 4th reading, which is the last one I took a look at, the ratio of free Palestine to stand with Israel was 30 to 1. But then there are other hashtags. There are, uh, if I remember this correctly, five of the top six hashtags are all pro-Palestinian. Five of the top six. Yeah. The way content spreads on TikTok is they will send out a video to 100 people. And if that video gets above average engagement, then they'll send it out to another 1,000 people. And if it continues to get above average engagement, then they'll send it to 10,000 people and so on and so forth. And so really what happens is content can go viral if it grabs people's attention, which tends to um, promote the most most uh, sensational content. You know, you compare that with a platform like X, which also, you know, a lot of sensational content are circulating on X. However, there is a big difference on X or, and this is also true of Instagram, by the way, in order to get distribution, you have to have built up a, in most cases, you have to have built up a following over, you know, many, many, many uh, months mm. and years, right? So you have right. to consistently post content that interests people. And then you build up a large following. And then that large following buys you the ability to get large distribution. TikTok is quite different. You could have posted your first post on TikTok uh, might have had 20 views. Your second post on TikTok might have had 50 views. Your third post on TikTok might have had 10 views. And then your fourth post can very easily have 40 million views. And so TikTok really tends to, you know, the most engaging, in some cases, you know, particularly around a conflict like Israel-Gaza, the most sensational content tends to get the most engagement, which therefore drives the most circulation. And I think the, the TikTok model is really brilliant for fun dancing videos and yoga videos like mm. you mentioned and you know cool rugby videos and so forth but in my view it's very 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 scary um in the context of a conflict like israel gaza and so you've got free palestine uh with a palestinian flag and a heart you've got free gaza and so on and so forth now sometimes these hashtags are used together so you can't just add these up because like free palestine and free gaza might be used on the same post so you can't just add the views to both we have a measure for how often, for instance, free Palestine and free free Gaza co-occur. And when you sort of take into account all of that, uh, the ratio has generally been around about 54 to 1. Um, 54 to 1. And so it's actually an improvement now that we're 30 to 1. Or is that 54 no, to no, 1 no. actually the... No, so 50, 54 to 1 is the ratio, you know, when you look at all the top pro-Palestinian hashtags against all the... So that's the actual score. It's like... Yes, exactly. Yes. Wow. 54 to 1. The other piece to this that is um, important to know is that 54 to 1 wouldn't matter if Free Palestine wasn't a particularly large hashtag. 
it's one of the biggest hashtags across all of TikTok at the moment, you know, up there with Taylor Swift and 2024 election um, related content. And if you look at the topics across TikTok that are trending at the moment, Free Palestine uh, is right up there. And you hear anecdotally, you know, the parents, for instance, of Jewish kids who continually tick not interested or select not interested on pro-Palestinian content, it still comes back into their feeds. It doesn't come back that regularly, but it comes back because there's so much inertia behind the pro-Palestinian content. And actually, here's an interesting fun fact for you. Um, it turns out that Free Palestine is the number one hashtag in Israel as well. So it's not a not a hashtag that's likely to get a lot of engagement in Israel. Probably a lot of people in the country are, are selecting not interested. However, there's just so much momentum behind the hashtag that there really aren't many TikTok users who aren't seeing uh, pro-Palestinian content fairly regularly. And then on the flip side, I think it's very, very rare uh, that users are seeing pro-Israel content. Wow. So this stuff is is just generating. It has momentum. It's one of the top things on TikTok. And by the way, people who even aren't on TikTok, they get sent this stuff on their WhatsApps, right? So you actually get to see this even if you're not on TikTok. Yeah. Um, that free Palestine, free Gaza is, is that just because there are more people in the world who, and young people in the world who, you know, who believe this and think this way, or is there something else going on here? Social media companies will often say they're just a mirror that reflects back what society believes. Um, but if you look at polling in the United States, you know, there's a Pew poll, uh, for instance, uh, quite a large one that was conducted last year, and it, it gets 60% of uh, 18 to 29-year-olds have an unfavorable view of Israel, right? So you can assume that 60% of American young Americans are you know, sympathetic to the Palestinian side of this conflict. Now, if social media was just a mirror, you would then expect kind of TikTok's ratio of pro-Palestinian to pro-Israel content to be roughly 60-40, right? You certainly, you know, embedded in the 54 to 1 spread is more like a 98% uh, support for the the Palestinian side of this conflict. So there's something, you know, a, a little bit strange happening. And this is something I, I got to tell you, I haven't come to a conclusive um, answer on and have actually spoken to the company about, had some high level uh, conversations with the TikTok leadership team just to point out that this is happening. There's a rise in a 10x increase in anti-Semitic incidents on college campuses, you know, as Jeff Morris Jr. pointed out, it's sort of hard to understand where that comes from. We shared this with the company and we said to them, you know, why is it 54 to 1? If if you are just reflecting back what people believe, you know, shouldn't it be more like a 60-40 ratio? There were a few kind of hypotheses that we ran over and never really got a conclusive answer on them. In the United States, there are 7 million Jews and 3.5 million Muslims. Maybe you would, one might assume that Jews are more sympathetic to the um, Israel side of this conflict and, and Muslims more sympathetic to the Palestinian side. However, in the world as a whole, there are 1.8 billion Muslims and, and 16 million Jews. And so one hypothesis we had is that there's a lot of cross-country flow. The free Palestine content is getting created in, in countries with large Muslim populations and being imported into the United States. TikTok has an advertiser analytics platform, which is uh, where I've been getting a lot of the data that I've been looking at. So when you look at this data, you can see that more than 50% of the posts on the free Palestine hashtag, for instance, come from countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, Pakistan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia. And so one question we, we put to the TikTok team is... You know, are you effectively importing a Pakistani worldview onto U.S. college campuses? Because if that's so, um, you know, that's a fairly irresponsible thing to be doing. Pakistan and the United States have very different worldviews. Uh, and the idea that 
TikTok might be importing a, a, a you know quite a different worldview into the United States it feels kind of scary. They said that there is not a lot of cross-country circulation. That you know that content from countries like Indonesia and Malaysia uh, doesn't make it into uh, the United States. I don't start from a position of trusting the company when they when they say there isn't a lot of cross-country flow. And we do see some evidence that uh, there is meaningful cross-country flow. I don't even know who TikTok's leaders are. Obviously, you know, there's a China connection, but what are they like? Like, what, were they, you know, engaging? Did they know about this? Were they interested? With What did they say to you? Yeah, I mean, I've had quite a few meetings with uh, TikTok leadership. I've met their CEO, their COO, um, their head of trust and safety, their head of public policy. And, you know, as people, they're all, all, all nice people. This is a challenging situation for them. Free Palestine has become a very trendy hashtag among a constituency that is very active on TikTok. Uh, and I think for them to take action on this hashtag would be a controversial thing. On the flip side, you know, they express sympathy around anti-Semitism and, and what's happening on, among young people on college, on college campuses in the United States. They did never affirmatively um, agree that there might be a d- direct connection between the content shown on their platform and, you know, what we see on, uh, on US college campuses. For me, the question is, okay, it's the so what question. So this stuff is all virtual. It all happens on your phones and you get outraged. But this stuff doesn't actually ever go into the real world, but it kind of looks like it is uh, going into the real world and people are, are um, creating more TikTok content in these demonstrations they're doing in the campuses and on the streets or, you know, whatever they're doing, right? That's also becoming TikTok content. Yeah, we, we knew there was a 54 to 1 spread um, and we know there's been a 10x increase in anti-Semitic incidents on college campuses. The thing that had been missing was this connection uh, between the two, you know, is what is happening on TikTok leading to real world. We actually conducted a survey of 1,300 Americans aged 18 to 29. They were in 47 states around the United States. And what we found in that survey was super interesting. For people who spent 30 minutes or more uh, on TikTok a day, they were 17% more likely to hold anti-Semitic or anti-Israel views than people who don't use TikTok at all. And then you compare that with Instagram, where people who spent 30 minutes or more a day on Instagram were 6% more likely to hold anti-Semitic or anti-Israel views, uh, and only 2% for X. And the nature of the questions we asked people were things like, do you think Jews are less likely to be honest in business than other Americans? Do you think Jews use the Holocaust to advance their political goals? Do you think Israel has a right to defend itself when attacked? Do you believe that calling for the genocide of the Jews is harassment or hate speech. Yeah, I mean, that's been a big topic. The university president, I, w- I would have thought it was fairly clear. You know, I, f- I found that the responses to that question are fairly surprising. Anthony, the thing, I guess, that worries me on many levels, but also as an Israeli, is when we're talking about TikTok, we're talking about young people. When these young people in the next 10, 20 years, when they get into Congress, what does that mean? What does that mean for America? And what does that mean for us, for, for Israelis? I mean, is the next democratic president in, you know, eight years, 12 years going to be a person who got their views about this conflict on TikTok? It's certainly something that I worry about as well. I started out with a broad focus on social media, not specifically uh, focused on TikTok. I looked at particularly Instagram data as well um, and zeroed in on TikTok because for a couple of reasons. One is that the 
concentration of pro-Palestinian content is quite a lot higher on TikTok than it is on other social media platforms. Um, And then the second part of this is that um, what you allude to, TikTok is particularly popular among the younger demographic. That's a demographic where views are, are a little bit less fixed and are in the process of being shaped. A lot of people quibble about headlines in the BBC or the New York Times. I mean, I think it is all immaterial compared to what what is circulating on TikTok. I find it um, scary for the same reason that you find it scary. That's where their ideas are, you know, formed. Is it algorithmically weaponized? Is it um, enhanced? Or is it just, okay, there's more people doing this, so we're just going to show them more of that? How much do you know about their algorithm? Uh, It's hard to know from the outside. Um, There are certainly people in the United States who think it's crazy that we're heading into an election in 2024. TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. There was all this concern in previous elections around Russian misinformation. Now you have one of the most dominant distribution, you know, places where news gets distributed being owned by China. Uh, And there are a heck of a lot of people who find that very scary and believe that TikTok should be banned. Uh, There are also people who believe that the right, you know, the ratio of you know fifty-four to one is an intentional um, move by China to sow division, both among Americans themselves as as well as between you know America and how did you, know, you make that allies. connection? To be very clear, I'm not making that connection. I've seen data that that sort of suggests that things that China doesn't want to circulate doesn't Mm -hmm. circulate and things China does want to circulate does circulate. That's the extent to which I can make a comment about it. The China angle seems to be like a big elephant in the room, but I do actually just want to go around the elephant or even underneath its legs just for a moment (laughs) and and move back into the algorithm. I'm I'm trying to understand if the algorithm elevates pro-Palestinian content and turns down pro-Israel or... How much of this is almost kind of organically generated because there's more of them than there are pro-Israel versus a platform algorithmic thing going on? In my view, if, as I said, if social media is just a reflection of what people believe, there's a 60-40 pro-Palestinian, pro-Israel polling figures in the United States, and you would expect that TikTok might, TikTok's distribution on, on the Israel-Hamas conflict would mirror yeah. that, and it doesn't. Um, one hypothesis was what I shared earlier, that there's a lot of content flowing from overseas. Um, another thing we have seen is that since October 7, the ratio of pro- free Palestine to stand with Israel has has increased. You know, it was closer to maybe 13 to 1 at the start of the conflict. Um, and as I said, it's gone up to somewhere in the range of 50, 54 to 1. The young people want to get their content to spread. Um, and so people typically jump on the hashtags that are doing well, right? And it creates a bit of a virtuous cycle. And so you, you see these videos. I wouldn't call it a virtuous cycle. I would call it like a unvirtuous cycle. A self, self, maybe a self-fulfilling cycle. It's like the blood libel that is just, it used to take days, month, weeks, months, you know, for a blood libel to travel to another village, another town, and then the Jews will get pogromed. We're talking about a digital manifestation of this blood libel that is just gone viral around the world unbelievably fast. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You see this phenomenon where people jump onto a hashtag that is gaining momentum. And so, you know, it might have been that there was somebody who used to give style tips on something people have seen quite a lot of. You had a creator that used to give a lot of style tips, you know, how to be fashionable and so forth on TikTok. And um, they've now converted to creating videos that show you how to wrap the kefir because, you know, that's doing well at the moment. 
Another example is you might have had a makeup artist, obviously. Now that makeup artist shows you how to paint the Palestinian flag on your cheek with makeup. So, you know, as the hashtag does better, people sort of switch their focus to jump onto content that is consistent with that, you know, amplifies a certain hashtag, which then helps to turn it into, you know, what, what Free Palestine is today on TikTok, which is one of the largest hashtags across all of TikTok. That is interesting and scary at the same time. Uh, I don't know if it was you or Jeff that said that TikTok is the number one search engine for more than half of Gen Z. I find this interesting also because we we did a, an episode on Telegram and how to search Telegram and how to find stuff was not, not obvious to people. Do you know anything about about how people find these hashtags? How do you how do you get someone who was an influencer on home deco or yoga or you know um, fashion? How do they find this stuff? They weren't watching, yeah. weren't looking at the stuff at, at all. I mean, the primary medium for TikTok is is what's called the for you page. Part of what people love about it is it's so frictionless. You open up the app, it starts sending you videos. It notices the patterns of what you do and don't engage in, and it sends you more of what you do engage with and sends you less of what you don't engage with. Now, the consequence of Free Palestine being so large on the platform is when you get onto, let's say you're a new user, you get onto TikTok, it probably will not be too many videos um, that you need to wait for before you see a Free Palestine video. We haven't measured this, but you know, let's say you might see a Free Palestine video in your first three to four videos, and then- If you engage uh, with that video, uh, you dig it or you... You hate it. Yeah, which in either direction, you'll either see more or you will see fewer of those videos. And so the For You page really is the number one way that people engage with TikTok. And and I know that the algorithm behind that is a little bit vague, but it sounds like there's a disproportionate representation, a complete imbalance. There's much more pro-Palestinian narrative than pro-Israeli perspective. It's not even... It's not even close. Yeah, not, not, not at all. Okay. One thing to finish off with is just the sense of scale, just to give people a sense of just what the scale is of TikTok. There are meaningfully more views on pro-Palestinian videos on TikTok than there are visits to all of the top 10 uh, mainstream media sites in the United States. And so that's uh, the New York Times and CNN and so forth. You know, the video views on TikTok just dwarf you know, the engagement with mainstream media platforms. And I just say that because I said earlier, you know, some people quibble with some coverage from the New York Times or CNN or the BBC. Uh, but to the extent that you quibble uh, with the coverage on those platforms and it bothers you, I think what's going on on TikTok might be a little bit less visible, but it, in my view, much more of a significant yeah. issue as far as, as you said earlier, shaping the views of the, the people who will be the elected officials and people in power in the next generation. You've spoken to the company and also you, on your ex-Twitter uh, account, you have forwarded people to a newsroom, a TikTok newsroom uh, statement on this. And I, you know, I, can, I can link to that in the show notes. I also see the hashtag from the river to the sea. I mean, is that not a hashtag that TikTok should kind of remove? Yeah, I mean, it's been pointed out to them. My sense is that TikTok want to make the fewest, the smallest number of editorial changes that they can. Every time they make an editorial change, they claim to be a platform, you know, not a site that has, call it, editorial oversight of its content. That being said, they have taken down content in the past. They've taken down White Lives Matter. They've taken down All Lives Matter content. Mm -hmm. They've taken down content 
uh, around things like uh, there was the infamous Osama bin Laden letter to America relatively recently. Uh, there's been a lot of extreme dieting content on TikTok, self-harm contents. Uh, they get rid of all of it. Their mission statements is bring joy and inspire creativity, and they have a community principle, prevent harm. And supposedly, they are supposed to take down content that can be linked to harm. I think there is a fairly clear relationship between the 54 to 1 ratio of content that they're showing and people who spend more than 30 minutes a day on TikTok are 17% more likely to hold anti-Semitic views. And then that translates to a 10x increase in anti-Semitic incidents on college campuses. I think there is a fair, fairly you know, robust link uh, between TikTok and um, and the company has chosen not n- not to take action in this case. Yeah. I think that there are listeners who would be interested in this. In in the Telegram episode we did previously, I asked my guest, like, how do you win on TikTok? How do you even the odds? Specifically on Jews in Israel, the numbers it's two billion uh, against sixteen million, or you know, twenty million. How does that work? Look, I think it's very hard. I, I'm not sure I have good answers here. Free Palestine has become, is now this sort of viral social movement. I think TikTok had a role in uh, making it a viral social movement, and that, but that's what it is today. I, I'm not sure I have a good, clean, easy answer uh, on how to fix this. I think the- Come on, it's the, a war. Uh, we need good, clean, easy answers. In my view, this ought to be pushed back onto the company. There is harm being created here. There is a 10x increase in anti-Semitic attacks. And um, in my view, TikTok is- wholly inequipped to be a major news source and should not be distributing news that is leading to real-world harm and, frankly, shouldn't be distributing news full stop. Imagine the New York Times or uh, CNN showed a 54-to-1 slant on on their coverage. I mean, there would be absolute outrage. TikTok is larger and distributing news to more people uh, than CNN and the New York Times. And they're getting away with spreading news that has an unbelievably strong bias to it. So then I guess it takes us back to our opening question and and we can close out with this. Having taken us on a journey of TikTok as this young people's search engine, news provider, way of life, communities, let's ask that question again. Why do high school students in San Francisco hate Israel so much? And some of it uh, seems to have a lot to do with TikTok. Yeah, at least um, that's my hypothesis. You see Mm -hmm. 54 to 1 ratio of very sad videos you know, video after video after video, it makes you sad, it makes you angry, and then you look for an outlet. Yeah. I'm super grateful to be given the opportunity. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for, you know, your openness and your patience with my interruptions and dejargonization. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Dejargonizer. For more episodes and ways to connect with me, please visit dejargonizerpod.com. That's dejargonizerpod.com.